get right into this. If you have your Bible apps, open your Bible apps to 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. Write that down, 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. Then later on, we'll move into 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 to 10. But if you have 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, and then we'll move down to later on, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 to 10. The Bible says, Jonathan... 2 Samuel 4, 4, Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled. But as she hurried to leave, he fell and he became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. I want you to Look at your neighbor and tell them, no more shame. Look at the other neighbor, tell them, no more shame. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this atmosphere that has been saturated with your Holy Spirit. Father, tonight we declare and decree your promises. We declare and decree, my God, your word over this place. Father, I bind every spirit of distraction. Father God, we bind it and we cast it out. Father, we pray that you will unveil your glory in this house. Father, let your Holy Spirit move with power and authority. Father, prepare our hearts, our minds, our spirit for the word that you have with us. Father, and we pray, my God, that tonight somebody, Lord, would be free, my God, and that they will experience true forgiveness, true deliverance, my God, so that they can walk into the more that you have designed for them. Father, we give you all the glory and all the honor. And the people of God say, amen and amen. Okay. You know, I believe everybody in this room has a story of shame. Everybody has gone through an embarrassing moment. Everybody has something they don't want to talk about. There's always a chapter in somebody's book in which you don't want to read out loud. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's embarrassing moments, moments that you want to run from, moments that you want to bury. I remember years ago, I was in Walmart, and my 12-year-old, she's 12 now. At that time, she was about six or seven. And for those of you who don't know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge mixed martial arts fan. Uh, I'm a diehard martial arts fan. I love MMA, and I love the classics of Bruce Lee. I love ninja movies. I'm, I love to look at ninja movies. And I remember years ago, I used to let my, my little girls watch little ninja movies with me. And I would explain what a ninja is. I was like, yeah, they just appear. They'll come in. They'll, come, they'll throw those little stars. And, and they just, that's what, that's what ninjas are. And, you know, I always want to be a ninja. You know, always imagine myself being a ninja. And one day we were in Walmart. And there I am in Walmart shopping, minding my own business. Right? Just, you know, with one of those, you ever, you ever get those carts, like, always making noise? Click, 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 click. Everybody know you're coming. 
So I had one of those, click, click, click. So my daughter, she's right, be, right by this side, and I'm, I, I, I'm picking up something, and I see this woman walking right by me. She was all in black. She had on what's called a burqa. Everybody knows what's a burqa? A burqa, for those who don't know, is what women wear in the religion in Afghanistan is all black, and you can only see their eyes. So she's walking this way, and I'm paying no mind. I don't I'm minding my own business, right? I'm picking up something. When all of a sudden I hear, how many know that children have a loud voice? Children can talk loud like they don't whisper. They're not discreet. They just say it how they see it, right? So if you ever uh, uh, want an honest opinion, you ask a child. If you don't want to get offended, you don't ask a child. Because a child calls it as they see it. So I'm here looking at my little grocery list and saying, let me make sure this is the right peanut butter. As I'm looking at it, I hear my daughter say, Poppy, look, a ninja. I was like, oh, my God. And my daughter behind me, Poppy, where you going? Girl, I don't know you, girl. Get away from me. Are you crazy? You're going to get us killed. What's wrong with you? But Bobby, what happened? I was embarrassed. It was a shameful moment. It was crazy. Let me tell you something. Shame will have you running. Shame will have you zigzagging. Shame will have you confused, not knowing where to go. Because you're always trying to hide from the shame. The Webster Dictionary defines shame as a personal thing that brings disgrace, a feeling of distress caused by consciousness of guilt. The pastoral dictionary defines shame as a feeling which follows when a person realizes that there has been a failure to live up to ideal expectation. Shame is a terrible thing. Embarrassment, guilt, it brings stress. It brings all kinds of different emotions and feelings that bog you down. I remember hearing a story years ago about two kids who went to live in, uh, uh, just for the summer. They would go every summer with their grandparents out in the farm in the country. And when they got there, the grandfather gave little Johnny a slingshot that he made. And little Johnny, he would always walk around the farm and he would keep rocks in his pocket. And little Johnny would always walk around and take a little slingshot. And he would aim for things. Little Johnny, he pretty much sucked at using a slingshot. Because every time he would aim at something, he would miss. So Johnny goes, he picks up the duck, he, he checks the pulp, 
is dead. Now Johnny knows how much grandma loves that duck and how hurt grandma's going to be if she finds out. So what does Johnny do? He sees a pile of wood that they keep when it gets cold for the fireplace and he takes the little duck's body and he hides it underneath the pile of wood. But to Johnny's surprise, his little sister Sally saw the whole episode of the slingshot. So sister Sally used the dead duck to blackmail her brother. The family finished supper that night and grandma said, Sally, help me do the dishes. And Sally said, Johnny would like to help you. And she pointed to the pile of wood. And Johnny said, yeah, Grandma, I'll help you do the dishes. Sally told her grandmother one day, hey, let's go and cook for dinner. And the grandfather told Johnny, hey, let's go fishing. And little Sally looked at the pile of wood and looked at Johnny. And Johnny said, Sally, you could go fishing with Grandpa. I'll stay with Grandma washing the dishes and preparing dinner. So one day, every day they would pray. And Sally would whisper to Johnny's ears, remember the duck. Remember the duck in the pile of wood. So one night, as Johnny's there helping his grandma again wash the dishes, he looked at grandma and he said, he put his head down, he's like, Grandma, I have something to share with you. The other day, I was out in the farm and I used a slingshot Grandpa gave me, and Grandma, I, I shot your pet duck, and I killed it. And Grandma just stared at Johnny. Said, Johnny, I was there. I know. I was looking out the window, and I saw the whole thing. I saw when you killed it, and I saw when you hide it in the pile of wood. Johnny, I love you. And I forgave you right there and then. I wonder how many of us tonight are allowing the enemy to remind us about our past failures. I wonder how many tonight are carrying a guilt load of shame. I wonder how many tonight are stuck in life due to the weight of that shame. I wonder how many tonight haven't moved into the more of God because they keep looking at the pile of wood. I'm not sure where you are in your Christian journey, but I'm here to let you know that no matter what you do, no matter what you did, no matter about the pile of wood, I'm here to let somebody know he knows. He knows. And he still loves you. And he still forgives.
redemption. And listen, listen, your purpose is still good to go. It's still good to go. I want you to high-five three people and tell them you're good to go. 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 The enemy meant it for evil, but God is about to turn things around. I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but I'm here to let you know that there is a purpose over your life. And the devil has been confusing your mind. The devil has been coming every night, and you've been crying to bed, looking at the pile of wood, thinking about your past. You can't move forward because the devil got to trap. He knows. He knows. He knows. And our story and our text is a story where shame meets grace. It's a story where shame comes and clashes with grace. It's an allegory of the beauty and the grace of what Jesus did for you and for me. And listen, now, the Bible talks about this young boy by the name of Methibo. And There's a lot of characters in here, and I have to kind of explain these characters. If you see on the screen, there's Saul, who is the king of Israel. You have Jonathan, who is Saul's son, which is prince. You have Mephibosheth, which is Jonathan's son, which is Saul's grandson. And you have David, who becomes king after Saul. Now, I need to put this in perspective so you can understand the full entirety of the story. Saul is the king of Israel. He is the first king. He is the king that the people wanted. Before... Saul, there was no king. There were judges. And they kept asking for, for a man, for a king. And God said, okay, you want a king? Here you go. And be careful what you ask for. And so the Bible says that a prophet by the name of Samuel came. And he anointed Saul with a flask of oil. Now understand that a flask is a man-made thing that holds a God thing. In choosing to anoint Saul, God had consented to put his spirit on a man, but the timing of the anointing was chosen by men. Now here comes David. David is God's choice. David was anointed from a hollowed out horn. Only God can make a horn. <laughs> God, God anointed, he anoints David was anointed. He was both anointed and chosen by God. Saul's son should have been king, but God rejects Saul because Saul rejected God. Jonathan's son, Saul's son, Jonathan, Saul's son, should have been king. Jonathan died on the battlefield. Now watch this. This is very important. Jonathan was torn between his dad, Saul, which is the source of flesh. And his best friend, David, which is the will of God. Jonathan chose to stay with flesh and die without reaching his destiny. You've got to be careful who you decide to go with. You're choosing to go with flesh 
or you're choosing to go with the will of God. He chose flesh and he didn't reach his destiny. Listen, David and Jonathan, they made a blood covenant before the war, before everything. When the prophet Samuel anointed David, Jonathan saw this and right away he knew he's the one. He received the revelation and Jonathan attached himself to David. They became best of friends. So much so they did a covenant. In those days they would cut themselves here. They would let their blood mix on their forearm. And then Jonathan did something incredible. He takes off his robe. Remember, he's a prince. He takes off his robe. He gives it to David. In other words, I am naked before you. I am transparent before you. I hide nothing from you. Then he gives him his sword. In other words, if anybody ever backstabbed you, it wasn't me. Because you got my sword. I fight with you to the end. We fight together. I got your back. You got my back. That's the kind of friendship that Jonathan and David had. And then all of a sudden, a war breaks out. The Bible says, to make a long story short, Saul goes into battle. His son Jonathan goes with his dad. Saul falls himself on his sword. He killed himself. He didn't want the enemies to catch him, so he kills himself. He falls on his sword. Jonathan dies in the battlefield. And the whole kingdom of Saul is gone. David is king. He takes over the kingdom. Fast forward years later. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 9, David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Watch this. Years pass, and here's David walking in the palace. Something happened in his memory. Something he saw that reminded him of Jonathan. He's dead all these years, and David is thinking of Jonathan. Man, man, that guy was so good to me. Man, what a friend. Man, if, I wish Jonathan was here to enjoy this with me. Man, and all of a sudden, he asked everybody in his kingdom, is there anybody left of the house of Saul? That I can show, look how much he loved Jonathan. Anybody, anybody, anybody in the house of the old king Saul that I can show kindness to. They brought this guy that said, well, this guy Ziba, he used to be a servant there. He said, come here, is there anybody else left of the house of Saul that I can show kindness to? I want to show kindness. And this guy Ziba came. And Ziba said, well, yeah, there, there is somebody. Who? Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, he's lame in both feet. In other words, he's lame in both feet. I don't know if you're going to want him. Where is he? He's in Lodabar. Lodabar. Well, go get him. So Ziba goes on this mission to find Mephibosheth. The king called the servant we need more zebras 
Zeba is a type of church. What we need is more zebras. People who say, if you could use anything, Lord, you can use me. You see, if we worry less about being consumers and being people who are proactive and go out there and respond to the call of God, and we make it our business to go out there and find the Mephibosheths in our communities, find the Mephibosheths in our schools, find the Mephibosheths in our jobs. Listen, I'm telling you, we need more zebras in our churches. See, too often, we come to church and we're used to the format of church, that we do church but we don't do change. We're so used to the format that we know how to do church but we don't know how to do change. We come to church and, and we know how to do this and how to come up to the front when it's time to come up and how to pick up chairs, do this. But, but when it's time, when, when, when God calls you as a zebra, and tells you go. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know. But you see, I believe that this is the time where God is calling this generation as Zebas to go out there into Lodabar. Now maybe you're afraid to go to Lodabar. A lot of people were afraid to go to Lodabar. Some writers suggest Lodabar. The meaning of Lodabar is the place of no bread, the place of no communication. It was an isolated place. It was a place where people didn't talk about their shame. It was a place where people hid. It was a, 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 a lonely place. And maybe you're here tonight and you're not in a physical loader bar, but you're in a mental loader bar. You're in a mental loader bar because of something that happened to you years ago. Something that somebody said, somebody did. And it's still in your mind, and, and you find yourself in a prison of Lodabar, the place of no communication. But God calls Zeba, and Zeba goes, I'll go. And he goes to Lodabar. Listen, let me tell you something. When God calls you to a place, remember, it's the king. And in those days, in order for you to go to any city, you had to have the authorization of a king to go into that place. When God calls you, he's going to give you the authority, the anointing, the power to go into any load of all. You don't got to be afraid. You don't got to have fear. You got to go in there understanding that you are son of the living king, that you got the power, you got the anointing. God is calling you for such a time as this. Are there any zebras in the house that would say, God, if you could use anything, you could use me. I want to go into Lodabar. I want to go and fetch my feeble set. I got no fear in my game. I got no shame in me. God, I want to go into the Lodabar and fetch my feeble set. Mephibosheth could be a family member. Mephibosheth could be a supervisor. Mephibosheth could be an enemy of yours. Mephibosheth could be somebody that gets on your nerve. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Who shall go and go and fetch Mephibosheth in Lodabar? This is the generation 
that God is calling. This is the generation that has what it takes to go into Lodabar while everybody is fleeing Lodabar, while everybody is casting out Lodabar. I believe that God is calling you to go into the place that nobody wants to go into. I believe that God is calling this generation to do what no other youth ministry wants to do. Let everybody be cute. Let everybody be pretty. But I got a mission from the Holy Ghost. I got to get to Lodabar because somebody is hurt. Somebody is living in darkness. Somebody needs me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That feeble said. He's in Lodabar years. But remember, he was five years old. War breaks out. Everybody's going crazy. They're killing everybody from the house of Saul. The nurse that was taking care of him found out, oh my God, they're coming. She picks him up. She goes running. She drops him. He becomes crippled in both feet at five years old. Somebody who he trusted, somebody he confided in, somebody who was supposed to protect him, somebody he looked up to dropped him does it sound familiar somebody somebody might have done some harm to you and it's playing in your mind and the devil you give him an inch he'll take a ruler he'll start speaking words to your mind look at you Look at you. Look what happened to you. You can't even talk about it. Look at you. You ain't got no ministry. God ain't calling you. Look look what you did. They keep playing that in your mind. And, and then you're in service and you raise your hand and you're, you're trying to do right. And, and you'll say, God, God. And then the devil's there speaking. If you look at you, look at you. If anybody knew. So what you do, you go right back to your loader bar. reason she acts out because she's been hurt the reason he doesn't talk much because he's been dropped the reason he's isolated and lonely and doesn't want to hang out is because somebody he looked up to let him down and so now everybody's the same to them you don't trust nobody going to open up to you. The last time I opened up, everybody knew about it. And you feel something inside of you that's calling you. You're feeling something inside of you that's calling you for more. You know deep down in your spirit there's something so much more that God has for you that you feel stuck. You know it in your heart there's so much more but what would they say? What if they found out? What if they find out what's underneath the wood? I, I don't know. But here comes Zeba. You see, when you got people like Zeba, when you got a church that understands their purpose, when you got a church who understands their identity in Jesus Christ, 
and understand that whatever happened in the past is the past. You're going to get up in the name of Jesus and you're going to tell the king, king, I know where he's at. He's out there living a load of ball. He doesn't have two good feet. But king, if you let me go, I'll get him. If you say the word, I'll fetch him. Just say the word. Just say the word. Just say the word and I'll go get him. people living in Lodabar waiting for you, young people. There are Mephibosheth everywhere waiting for you to say, King, say the word and I'll fetch him. And Ziba went on a mission. And when you go on a mission of the Holy Ghost, let me tell you, you go where with your head up high like you own the streets. Get out of my way. Get out of my way. I'm coming for you, my I'm coming for you, my Because I got the power. I got the authority. What I have, I'm going to give to you. Can I get a witness up in here? Yes. Ziba goes. And he finds my feeble him up. Can you imagine the exchange? My people said, yeah. I need to take you to the king. What? The king is calling for you. What? The king is asking for you. What do you mean the king is asking for me? The king sent me to come and get you. Remember, this happened when he was five years old. He's a grown man with children already. Years passed. And out of the blue, the king. How, how am I going to get there? I'll carry you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm in this situation because I trusted somebody with my life. And you're telling me that you're going to carry me to the king? Yes. But my people said, this time is different because I'm not that person. You see, my people said, I was in your situation too. Somebody has a testimony up in this place. Somebody needs to hear your testimony. Somebody needs to hear your testimony. Listen, there are people that you can reach that I can never reach. You have a testimony. Ziba must have been like, you got to trust me. I know somebody failed you. I know somebody hurt you. But Ziba, listen, listen, I was in the same place as you. And now look at me. Listen, let me take you to the king. Let me take you to the king. Church, somebody needs you. We 
He said, come on. Reaching out to people is hard work. You got to carry the weight. The devil's going to come and try to snatch them from your head. You're going to have to kick the devil. Get out of the way with prayer, with fasting, because you're carrying somebody who needs to get to Jesus. It takes work. It takes work. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. I got to bring them to Jesus. I got to bring them to Jesus. I can't change them, but I can take them to the one who can. Mephibosheth, what I can do for you is get you Every palace has a door. Mephibosheth got to a beautiful place with an ugly problem. He got to a beautiful place damaged. Some of you are in church that you're damaged. Some of you are leaders but you're hurting. No, I'm not supposed to have problems with lust, but I'm lusting. I'm struggling with pornography. I'm struggling with my anger. I'm hitting, I'm hitting my girlfriend. I'm being hit by my boyfriend, but I can't say nothing. I'm so ashamed. I think it's my fault. I know I shouldn't have problems with depression suicidal thoughts a suicidal tendency but, but I am, I don't know why I'm hurt it's alright my people say we're at the door get the door I'm taking you to the king I'm taking you to the king it's gonna be fine table and look what happens David looks at Mephibosheth in 2nd Samuel chapter 9 when Mephibosheth son of Jonathan the son of Saul came to David he bowed down to pay him honor watch this David said, Mephibosheth? And there's an exclamation point. In other words, is that you, Mephibosheth? At your service, he replied. Watch the next sentence. Verse 7. Don't be afraid, David said to him. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, the son, for your, father, for your father's sake. Watch this. 
For I will show, show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will watch this. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul. And you will always eat at my table. After King David speaks that to him. Look at Mephibosheth's response. This is what shame does to you. It keeps you so bound that even when the king speaks these words, he still can't comprehend it or even receive it. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Some of you, look yourselves in the mirror and you have such low self-esteem of yourself. You are suffering from insecurity beyond going into social media and trying to see how many likes do I got? Oh, I got too many likes. And you're trying to get affirmation in all the wrong places. Trying to get validation from all the wrong people. And you're in that cycle. But there's so much more at the table. But he tells them, what am I, a dead dog? Low self-esteem. Doesn't think anything of himself. He's believing everything, the lie of the devil, everything. You're, some of you are believing that tonight. But I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, I'm going to restore to you everything the devil took from you. I'm going to restore your dignity. I'm going to restore your self-respect. I'm going to restore your ministry. I know the devil's been lying to you. I know you've been living in Lodibar for a long time. But I'm coming here to tell you tonight, there is no more shame. The shame is over. I don't care what the devil has told you. I'm here to let you know that from tonight on, the chains are going to be broken. I'm telling you tonight, the bondage of shame is going to be broken. Whatever it is that somebody did to you, I'm telling you, God loves you. He's going to set you free tonight. everything 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 is going to be yours listen when the UPS delivers we never sign for a damaged package I never sign for a damaged package Return to sender. But Ephesians says we are accepted in the beloved. God signed for us. I'm so glad that God signs for damaged packages. I am so glad that the Holy Spirit saw me as a damaged package. And he said, I'll take it. I'll take it. Give it to me. I'll take it. 
forget what is behind you. At the table, you can eat meals you didn't even cook. At the table, you can eat meals that you didn't even cook. The Bible says, he shall eat at my table just like my sons. He was adopted as a son. You are being adopted just as a son, as a daughter. You're going to walk around the kingdom like you're one of the sons. Whatever the sons have, you have. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When I'm at the Lord's table, you can't tell me apart from others. You can't tell us apart. We're both the same at the king's table. As long as grace covers us, grace covers your damage. Grace covers all your embarrassments. Grace covers your shame. So what happens is, you're covered. They can't see your shame. Because he's got your back. There is no more shame when you're at the table. We're all the same at the table. Listen. At the table, you can be transparent. Can you imagine everybody looking? Walking by the king's table. Uh-uh. Isn't that? Well, I'll be. Well, I, isn't that my feeble said? What? What is he doing at the king's table? That was a big deal back then. Only high prolific people sat at the table. Only his son sat at the table. A person crippled? No way, everybody knew. My people said what they loaded upon. They knew he was damaged. But now he's at the end. They're shocked. Listen, the Bible says God will prepare a table before your enemies. People who talked about you, people who skipped you, people who denied you, people who ignored you, people who said that you were going to amount to anything, I'm telling you, they're going to see you at the king's table and they're going to say, uh-uh, say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. Is that you, my female son? It sure is. It sure is. And this milkshake takes all oh, so good. So good. I'm telling you, tonight is your night. I said tonight is your night. Listen to me, listen. You're at the table. You could be open now. Because he accepted you as you are. So there's no need for any more shame in your game. Now you can freely talk about your past. Say, is it true that you did this? I sure did. Is it true that you I sure did? Oh my God, don't you feel I don't? You don't even let him finish talking. I don't. But you don't care why people, no. Well, well why not? Because I'm at the table. Because I've got the favor and the grace of God. Because what I did does not define me. I did what I did, but I am not who I did. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. 
you can be transparent. You want to know why? Because transparency is telling shame. You have no authority to stop my freedom. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You got to let the devil know, devil, you thought you had me. You should have killed me when you had the chance. You should have terrified me when I was a motorbike. Free. I'm gonna be free. I cry 